for me, like the self-love is deeply healing. It's not about like self-love, self-care, paint our nails and have a bubble bath. It's like, actually, how do I show up when I feel not self-loving to myself? How can I meet myself there with self-compassion? How can I even bring in a smile of gratitude and honoring and and valuing myself, even when there's a part of me that doesn't think I'm worthy of that. That is powerful. That is self-love. Hey, everybody. It's Christine Marie Mason. Welcome back to the Rose Woman Pod. We usually talk about taboos and liberation and freedom, but we're on a series of reverence related to the release of our new book. I have this amazing woman, Lillian Love, who actually looks and moves like her name, Love. And we're going to talk about a section she contributed called Rituals of Adoration. Adoration comes from the Latin word for worship, but right stuck in the middle of it is doré, gilded. I keep thinking of those golden Buddhas where people take tiny little sheets of gold paper and rub them on with their hands until the entire statue shines in the morning light. And just, uh, you know, giving them all of your attention and love. And that's one of the things that Lillian talks about in the book. In our conversation today, we're talking more about self-care and practices and how to make time and prepare yourself to be in a place of complete presence with your partner. I love the preparation part, getting ready to receive and to offer pleasure. I want to take a minute before we get into the full dialogue with Lillian and just talk about the vitality of moving from grievance and complaint in any relationship to visioning and upliftment. Just check in with how it feels in your body when you make the move from pointing out flaws or pointing out versus looking out to the future and imagining and naming how you want that future to look and then inviting your friend to play with you in that creation. doesn't feel good in the body to be pointing out the negatives, and it also doesn't invite the other person into co-creation. But if you can go to them and say, oh my gosh, I really want to create a life where we are in a spirit of play all the time and exploring this and that together, and I have a friend who calls that mood, woof, woof, want to play? You know, it just works better. Why would you want to be in relationship with someone who's criticizing and picking on you? Why would you want to be in a work relationship with someone who's complaining and and exhausted all the time? Ugh, come on, we get to choose. We're going to move from powerlessness or victim consciousness uh, to agency consciousness. We're co-creating our world or making choices into sort of this blissful state where consciousness is flowing through us to create things. So actually, a lot of the book is about magic and enchantment and tapping into that liminal space from which you're always replenished. So let me tell you about Lily. She is a writer, speaker, leader, feminine empowerment coach. She made a film called Cosmic Touch, a docu-therapy transmission that is looking at the transformational healing power of self-pleasure and getting in touch with her intimate body. She's deeply immersed in Tantra, somatic healing, breath work, and guides people individually and in groups to get out of their heads and into their bodies, where, as she says it, there are five Ps, peace, pleasure, power, purpose, and prosperity, live. 
She is a resident currently at SundariGardens.com, Sundari on Hawaii. And I know you'll want to go find her personally, LilyClaireLove.com, after you hear this conversation. So let's say hello to Lillian Love. When I was writing the reverence book, I had the most amazing experience of raising my eyes to the horizon and everywhere I looked were amazing beings who had something to say about ritual and reverence. And one of those amazing beings, as you heard in the intro, was Lillian Love. Uh, She is a colleague and a landmate at Sundari Gardens. And I got to see her over the course of a year conduct many rituals, whether they were for herself or for other women, women's circles, um, or for her partner. And then last Valentine's Day, she wrote this beautiful ritual of adoration uh, with her partner, Joshua, uh, which we put in the reverence book. And so uh, I think what we're going to do today is talk about adoring and really creating the space for self-love and self-care and the adoration of another. So please welcome Lillian. Mm, thank you so much for having me, Christine. Hi, everyone. So how does one create a ritualized life? For me, ritual is about bringing presence to a life, bringing awareness and, and a state of awe and wonder to even the mundane moments that we encounter in our day-to-day. And for me, it's this kind of weaving between creating structure to really bring forth moments and um, bring that state of, of wonder and awe and gratitude and ritual and reverence in and also and then the unstructured, you know, the, the non, non-linear, the, the creative, the mystical, the magical. And, and so one of those really simple ways is to have a practice, a daily practice that we come into presence with ourselves, with our body, with what is, what is here, what am I feeling right here, right now. What are the sensations in my body? What are the emotions that are swirling maybe in my heart and my belly? And to breathe that in, just the act of that, breathing in what I'm noticing myself feel in this moment and becoming more present to that is an act of ritual to me. So that's a a very easy one to do even now, like to take a ceremonial breath. So if everybody just wants to do that, like just pause and put your hand on your heart and one on the belly and just take a really big inhale and take what's usually autonomic and make it conscious. How does the air feel as it comes through your nostrils and drops back into your sinuses and down into your lungs? And can you feel that oxygen transit to the bloodstream? And can you feel your own body? Yeah, Yeah, there we just did a little ritual right there. I love what you were saying about the structure to bring things forth and then the unstructured sort of state or way of being. And um, people, you know, the idea that structure invites magic is is a new one. I think that's a beautiful idea. That is what ritual is about, right? You're creating structure. It's almost like you're building a house and you're putting what is not magic outside the doors. Mhm. Say say a little bit more about that. Like how does structure work? Yeah, to me um 
on my journey, I've actually found that structure creates freedom. Mm. Um, we maybe logically think of the, you know, the opposite, doing the opposite, but it gives this way in which we have created a container. So the container of, you know, a, a pot that we plant seeds into so that flower can, can blossom, that creates uh, a structure, a safe space for it to bloom. Um, our bodies are a container that contain our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our desires, our, you know, our unconscious hidden kind of programming that when we tune into this container of our body and the structure that is us, then we can actually more deeply connect with these different aspects of us. And we can do that in us in our own lives with ourselves and in our relationships. So for instance, even creating um, a structure of a, a morning practice where you are again dropping into your breath, getting into movement, getting deeper into the, the somatic kind of subtle awareness of the body. Mm. And then there's a way that I love to create kind of these containers for ritual to allow emotion to move or to al allow something to be expressed, whether that is creative or emotional for myself or in my partnership. So when you say you do a morning practice, I just wanted to share with people the I've taken Lily's morning yoga classes, for example, and her practice isn't a traditional practice where you're just doing down dog. There's a lot of breathing and undulating and expressing of emotion. So even a morning sit, morning breathe, we say like meditation is just sitting down and having a good breathe, um, but then doing some sort of structured movement practice to benefit yourself and to release as part of what you're talking about as a container, just doing it systematically. When you're on your own, I wonder, like, do you do the same kind of practices you do in class? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, all of the practices have been, and I, I don't say this lightly, at one point saved my life mm. um, where I felt very, very disconnected from myself, um, very low self-esteem, had anxiety at high levels running me, was having panic attacks, depression, um, suicidal thoughts at some points, and really lost um, and unhappy. So as I, I turned inward and made this decision to, to heal and to address the past kind of pains and, and unresolved traumas and unresolved um, grief that was living inside of me and kind of wreaking havoc in an unconscious way, then uh, I found all of these different tools and tantra training and yoga and meditation and plant medicines and uh, you know the list goes on and I I was desperate at that point in my life and so I just I just took everything that that I found and applied it and and became kind of my own my own scientist like I was the guinea pig and the and the scientist that's great advice to anyone like to experiment on themselves. I love wisdom teachings. And we also have to acknowledge that a lot of the wisdom teachings were passed down for a male body. And so you can take that and then adapt it and see what actually resonates in your own core. Um, so, so you've taken and made sort of a combination of traditional 
systems. And what is a what is a normal practice for you? Um, well, as you know, yeah, that central Shakti yoga practice is one of the practices I teach um, here at Sundari and is my favorite as just like a kind of a basic foundational practice that incorporates movement, incorporates breath, incorporates structure. There is linear movement, consistency, and there's also this free flow Shakti, which is this creative kind of life force energy that we understand in different traditions like Tantra and Taoism and Sufism that it works in kind of spiral motions, like our DNA is going in spirals, the planets are moving in spirals, everything, our uh, our cells, everything is vibrating in spirals. And so it incorporates a lot of this kind of spiral movement that gets us really out of our our linear brain and into that mystical, creative, open brain and channel. So that's one of my favorites. Mm, I'm going to do it right now, you guys. I'm spiraling. Okay, this is what it means to spiral. Okay, you kind of like, you stick your tailbone out, and I just start moving my tailbone in a circle, and then my spine goes, and then my belly goes, my upper spine, and then my shoulders, and the crown of my head. And you can even start the other way. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to sit up really tall and let, let it start from the crown, just try it. I mean, I haven't done that since I left the island. Mm. I can't wait to see you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for me, for somebody who like I have like lived in my head for a lot of my life, this just like gets me into that, into my body and into the like, again, the mystical, the I don't need to to control place. Yeah, that's a pretty non-Western idea. I don't need, I love this idea that, domain in French is home and domination and dominion is what's in the Bible, you know, got dominion over the earth and it got mistaken for domination versus home. Right. Like just make it your home. Be it, Don't dominate your body. Be at home in your body. Make it your domain. Mm. Mm. Okay. So we're in this reverent relationship now coming out of suffering, which I think is also really telling, you know, that you have to be sometimes in a point of suffering where the dominant culture isn't doing it for you before you turn to reverence and self-love and care. So you're coming out of suffering, you learn a daily practice of sort of, or develop and investigate a daily practice of breathing and moving and expressing and feeling. That's the daily practice. Do you do, you do things monthly or weekly or quarterly or things that sort of punctuate or accelerate um, your daily practices? Yeah, I guess I used to have a lot of these practices more when it was earlier on in my in my kind of journey and I really like needed to use these things all the time and have a lot more structure around it now it is a little bit more fluid and I guess I would say that I have like there are certain practices that I will make sure that I have revisited maybe at least once a month some things like once a week or once every quarter one of those practices that I kind of come back to as at least a monthly ritual now is some kind of like self-adoration practice and I mean there's there's a million different ways that this can look as simple as spending like 15 minutes feather light touching my skin, caressing 
my my skin all the way down to my toes and and in my hair and reaching around to the back of my heart like I'm giving myself a hug and you know caressing my belly and all of the places of my body that I I maybe like forget about or I judge in some way um I have you know, maybe negative thoughts or, or shame around, or just that I, I, I neglect. And this can be just like a really nurturing practice. And it can go all the way on the spectrum to more of a, a sensual self pleasure practice. And pleasure, again, can be just nurturing, and it can be more erotic on that eros mm. spectrum. And um, yeah, really cultivating that aliveness and vitality of the the sensual sexual creative energy within my own body and remembering that my whole body is is erotic it's not just what we you know in society have been told are like our private parts but actually like awakening the aliveness in in all of the body with that simpleness of of like light caressing or a whole palm touching our skin and then bringing in like words of affirmation and bringing in the breath as I breathe in the sensations on my skin and really like smiling to myself, smiling into my own heart, gratitude and honoring myself. And this can be particularly difficult if we struggle with shame or, you know, low self-esteem. And it was for me at some point and can still be if I'm meeting some old part in myself but it is a profound practice to actually cultivate that sense of self-love and for me like the self-love is deeply healing it's not about like self-love self-care paint our nails and um, have a bubble bath it's like actually how do I show up when I feel not self-loving to myself? How can I meet myself there with self-compassion? How can I even bring in a, a smile of gratitude and, and honoring and, and valuing myself, even when there's a part of me that doesn't think I'm worthy of that? That is, is powerful. That is self-love. Yeah, if you're driving, don't do this. <laughs> if you're not driving, take your hands and like grab the back of your shoulder blades, hug yourself and grab the back of your shoulder blades and like pat yourself on the back. You did such a good job today. You just got through it, whatever you did. Even if it's seven o'clock in the morning, go get, you just got through it. Even try like what Lily was suggesting, like just, what does it feel like to just caress your own hands and forearms and just be like, oh, like that's a beautiful sensation of self-care. Like touch yourself how you want others to touch you. So that's beautiful. So you do that once a month. Mm -hmm. And then what about taking it out into, I really want to appreciate you for how you take this out into women's circles and how much you support other women in finding this spiral dynamic and and self-love inside of them. Um, You want to speak a little bit about your work with women? Yeah, I mean, it, it goes definitely beyond gender, but there's something really powerful for me when I'm working with women and it, it it is almost just like a mirror that the women that I get to work with I get to mirror back to them their 
already like innate wisdom that is there in their body and just support them in, in, in gentle ways to just gently kind of dissolve the like buildup of blocks that have kind of armored up <laughs> over our sense of self. And, you know, we've all grown up in this pretty dominant culture that really values achievement and productivity and kind of pushing through culture. And there's something really powerful when a woman slows down and takes that deeper breath into herself and finds her hands on her heart and her lower belly and and starts to just really come home to herself and to her wisdom and to her own intuition. We've been so deeply trained away from trusting ourselves, I feel. At least that is is what I experienced. And not because somebody told me I couldn't trust myself, but there is a unconscious kind of modeling that happens in our culture, in our media. My mom was a was a feminist, and yet there were a lot of different ways in which she um, unconsciously modeled something that was less than empowering for me that I had to, you know, really take time to peel away those old layers. Like, what are the, what are the things that I have believed about myself? And is that really true? And where did that come from? Whether it's mom, dad, or school, or some other institution or religion. And what do I choose to believe about myself? So that's one of like the starting places for the work that I do with women. It is the core of it is this self love and this self-trust and this inner agency of I get to choose who I am. I get to choose my value, not based on what a magazine or a music video or something or a PhD or anything told me. Yeah, this is like, this is so deep. I mean, even when you think like you're talking about your mom, like she was trying to be a feminist, but she still had all these unexamined corners it's so in the soup you live in it's very hard to like pull out exactly where to look I was thinking about um, Nicole Hodges who was on the podcast last year and she has this movement to change like to eliminate the concept of virginity as a concept that it's just your sexual debut and you're not a different person before and after you know the whole idea like if that concept went away what would your relationship to sexuality be like was a totally novel concept for me and, and, and I had been examining the ideas I had about sexuality and still hadn't occurred to me that virginity was an idea that had lodged itself in my sub psyche. So yeah, you're right. It takes a lot of parsing and often guidance and participation with other women to kind of hear what everyone else is thinking too and like really suss it out. Yeah, and in that like, I love doing one-on-one -on -one work with women, but that is, there's a even kind of more powerful multiplying effect when we come in groups of women and we hear each other's stories and we we reveal these kind of things that we think we're dealing with alone and we get to see each other in each other's reflection. Likewise, all of the kind of conditioning around competition between women and comparison and all of that gets to just fade away and then we get to actually see that we 
we get to be each other's allies. We get to collaborate and co-create and uplift each other and celebrate each other and be uplifted and celebrated by each other. If you want to work with Lily, I'll put this in the show notes, but she's got tons of programs and, you know, that you could do individually or come to one of the groups and retreats and things like that. But now let's move into this reverence in relationship and talk a little bit about the relationship container. Um, One of the things that I had heard of hand fasting, of course, where people get married for a year in the pagan traditions, but I'd never really uh, met any couple who sort of on the month to month basis would say, are we in it for another month? So I just wonder if you might speak a little bit to this renewing or staying fresh in the container of your own commitment and how how that works. Yeah, my uh, partner Joshua and I came up with this, what we call a ritual of recommitment. And for about a year, we were doing it month to month. So every month we would have this, this ritual. So we would create a container and, sh- and share kind of intentions and gratitudes um, about the, the past month and our relationship. We would share things that we're mourning things that we're kind of grieving about the past month or anything in our relationship. Um, we would share any kind of what, what we call uh, is withholds, something you're withholding from your partner. But now we've kind of turned that word around and we call it hold withs. Will you hold this with me? So we would share any kind of hold withs, share any desires that we have going forward if there's any adjustment to any agreements in our relationship that we have, and then we would recommit. Now we're doing it every three months. Yeah, it's really powerful. We, even though we both feel like we are in it for the long haul, we, we see having children together, we are buying land together, we're, we're in it, but there's a way in which this ritual keeps us present. Again, it keeps us kind of refreshing, as you said. It keeps us coming back to that state of, of awe and gratitude and, and like not taking it for granted. You, do you still want to do this thing with me? Yeah. Would you, if you had to choose again today, would you choose? Yeah. Yeah, people don't ask that question very often. Sometimes you hear about older couples, you know, who have a recommitment ceremony or who get remarried to one another or something like that, but I don't know of anyone else who does it as a process it's quite beautiful yeah and there's a way in which you know between between the rituals we might still create some containers where one of us needs to share attention and, and clear that or uh, a hold with or share a desire and we we make a, a space for that so we're not just kind of coming to each other and verbally like vomiting it on each other while the other person isn't ready for it. That's the beauty of containers really is like, okay, yes, I'm present. I'm here. I'm open to receive what you have to share or you're open to hear me. So we might have still some of those throughout the time between our ritual of recommitment. But what that ritual of recommitment also does is it kind of make sure in a way like it has that consistency of like okay even if we're completely so busy that we don't have time to really come into full presence along the way to express some of the things that need to be expressed we know that we have this marker 
that we get to really drop in in a in a beautiful ceremonial kind of way together. Do you ever get what? Do you ever get worried, like, or or think that you might just say no the next time around? Ah, I don't. I, they're they're like carries that anxiety for yeah. me. You know, that's probably more about me. Early on, I early on I did. I mean, I was more. I was more worried that he was every time we approached it that he was going to ask if we could open our uh, relationship and be non-monogamous, which was my anxiety. But part of that for me was like uh, really coming home to my own agency again and remembering, reminding myself that I have choice and that I get to be a no. And and yeah, if if it looks like you know, we're going different ways that there's, there's a grieving process that um, is, is going to go through, but there's also a deep honoring in that. So that's one of the rituals. Thank you for sharing that. That's also very sweet before I move on. Um, so, so you have this ritual about sort of recommitting monthly or quarterly, but you also wrote in the book about this really beautiful practice of intimacy, which wasn't about sex. Nothing wrong with sex, people. I'm just saying wasn't about the traditional intercourse situation it was really about adoring each other yeah though the, there were quite a few in the manual but in the book there is a ritual of well we started with I think a ritual of adoring like washing each other's feet and then the other ritual we shared is a ritual of adoration we call it of either yoni gazing or vulva gazing or lingam, or cock gazing. And so even though um, this is including these, like, quote-unquote, sexual parts, it's actually, like, really just about, it's so intimate, actually. It's, it, it really doesn't feel sexual. It feels deeply vulnerable and intimate. And I would I would say, like, for probably a lot of people, is more intimate than just sex. Yeah, it's so powerful to allow yourself to be witnessed in this way or to witness your partner in this way and to just like really honor this part of them, um, to whisper loving affirmation to this part of them. And, you know, it we don't often get kind of connected with in this area of our body in a non-sexual way. And so this is a deeply like loving and nurturing ritual that is non-sexual and creates a lot of intimacy, a lot of a lot of vulnerability there. And and vulnerability is is a huge courageous act to create intimacy. That's a wonderful way to bring that part of the conversation to a close. Vulnerability is beautiful and required for intimacy. So if you want to read more of this particular ritual or any of the other things we have on partnered appreciations or self-care, self-love, please check out the Reverence book. It's just coming out November 15th of 2021. And I would love it if you would find some aspect of that that moves you and then tell me about it. Um, so I would love to close, Lily, by asking you, what is reverence for you? And if you had one wish for the women of the world, with that in mind, what would it be? So first, it just what comes is just awe, appreciation, 
sense of innocence comes. There's a way in which I'm, yeah, as I'm feeling into reverence right now, it feels like this like childlike innocence, but paired with this, you're at the end of your life and you're looking back and all of the struggles and all of the heartache and all of the love and everything that you've moved through, you're just in awe. And there's this innocence in that too. It's like there's this wisdom in the innocence and really revering life, revering your journey, revering all of the loves that you've got to have in your lifetime, revering this earth. I mean, I think that is one of the the biggest things that, at least for myself, um, but I do feel for humanity that we are kind of remembering is to revere this earth. Like, she is so beautiful. <laughs> if we could go out and and not take another sunset for granted and a, a butterfly just flew past and the wind on your face and like deeply like be in reverence of of this earth and of this life and let that be a reflection of your body as a woman and your your soul as a woman there's so much to you so much depth and creativity and lusciousness and and the pain and all of it is is beautiful and is worthy of being revered mm. May you all have reverence and feel your own worth and your deep value as part of the planet, not separate from it. Lily, I love you. Thank you so much for coming and talking. I love you. Thank you. Hey, everybody. It's Christine. I have a new book coming out. It's called Reverence. It's about making rituals and meaning in daily life. I wrote it because I found that slowing down to acknowledge the big milestones that hit us, you know, way beyond weddings and funerals, but everything from coming of age to grief, from saying goodbye to a lover to celebrating new beginnings in a new home, all really made a difference in deepening into and becoming present with our experiences. There's things in there about home altars about creating transitory spaces so you can create a state change or invite a state change in people. Lots of pearls of wisdom from my accumulated teachings and trainings, but also from the contributors in the book. And it's beautiful. It's colorful, hardback, you know, embossed spine, just very lovely, gorgeous original photography from Samantha. Uh, I remember setting up tourmaline mandala altars with her and photographing them in the spring light and just being so enchanted by her, actually. At the heart of reverence is a worldview that sees everything as alive and full of wonder and enchantment and love. And I hope that some of that rubs off. I think it would be a great gift. So please come to find reverent lifestyle products, intimate skincare, sexual wellness products on rosewoman.com and find me at the.rose.woman to have a dialogue on anything related to living a more reverent life, a more just life. And finally, this Saturday, November 13th, is a big online community celebration for the Rose Woman community, where we're having great speakers on everything from mindfulness and sensuality to BDSM as a gateway to awakening to 
music and poetry and song from some of our wonderful community members and friends. So please join us. You can RSVP at rosewoman.com. Find the events tab. All right. All love. May you live in peace and power. Mm -hmm.